Being a real estate agent can be demanding. Being a mom, now that's even more challenging. Now being a mom in real estate, now that is hard. in Real Estate Live. My name is Angela Fazio. I'm your host today. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Audra Holinka. And the topic today is Zen Mamas. So I'm really excited to dive in to um, one of Audra's um, specialties, which we're going to talk about meditation in lots of different ways today. But first, before we do that, let's hear a little bit about her. She's been in the business for 14 years. Yes, at the end of, yes. It is so now. Soon. It's already in October. Oh, so yeah. Yes. 14 years and does about $6 million in production. So she's a very successful real estate agent. And let's hear about your kids first. Okay. Well, I have two children. Um, one is 15 years old. Her name's Hallie. And I had her my last semester of college. So she was a blessing. She wasn't anticipated at the time. <laughs> and um, she's an awesome kid. She is very... Um, caring and empathic and she watches her brother for us. She's been doing that since she was like nine. She's one of those that can mm -hmm. and could and does a great job. Um, and she's very smart. Both of my kids are good in school. She's very smart. She's in the STEM program at Perry and, you know, takes her studies seriously on her own. And um, she's just an awesome kid. She's got a good, like, dry sense of humor, really witty. Oh, I love that. She's I love a nice sarcastic. Yes. Oh, very <laughs> sarcastic. Um, she's not like incredibly outgoing, similar to me. Um, so we get each other on that level, but she's, she's a good girl for sure. And does she have hobbies? Like what does she do? Well, she's done all kinds of things. She used to play softball and then recently she decided to do track at Perry. Really? Yeah. She's a really good artist and she's a really good cook. And wow. recently she started. Yeah. She sounds great. She is. Does she babysit? Yes, she babysits and she does babysit. And she'll be getting her license in April. So, um, and she recently started to really enjoy uh, working out like, yeah. with a personal trainer. Oh, yeah, you were like saying that. that. That's very cool. Mm -hmm. I, you know, about, um, about that age is when I started caring. No, I was freshman, I think. And I never Same. stopped. Same here. Never stopped. It was just something about working out and having that. I can't get, if I go through the day without it, it's a bad day. It's not, right. yeah, it's not it's a great outlet. day. So good, good for her to do that. Mm -hmm. And then my son is Peyton mm -hmm. and he is nine. Mm -hmm. And he's also a really great student, good kiddo as far as that goes. Um, very respectful and sensitive. He's still my cuddle bug, which is great. Mm -hmm. I'm Doesn't last forever. dreading the day that that goes away. I know. Yeah, he's my little mama's boy, and he loves to play all sports, but he plays, like, in leagues and in club, he plays baseball and um, basketball, and, yeah, he's a little more social and outgoing, and he keeps us all laughing. That's, um, it's very, it's a huge blessing that both of your kids are independent in school. Yes. Because I, all of my kids were like that um, until the last two, mm. right? And now I feel the pain of having to... Yeah, I don't take it lightly because I know a right. lot of people and it has nothing to do with them or the way they parent, you know, it's just... It's the child. It is. Some ch children need a lot more help. That's a huge blessing. I didn't even know it. And I'll tell you, we have a 14-year-old son 
who um, kind of was always very affectionate and now isn't so much, but every once in a while, oh, yeah. he just decides to be affectionate. So it's... It's to take it. I it's take to be ready for Yeah. It. That's like Hallie. You know, yeah. I didn't even notice. And all of a sudden one day I was like, oh, she almost kind of cringes. But yeah. then someday she's like, and you're like, oh, all right. Like, you know, I try take to, it while I can get it. Mm-hmm, I try to break him in, like to just expect it at all times. So the kissy monster and the huggy monster wakes up my kids. I don't care how old they are. Awesome. I don't. I I think I would get hurt if I tried to do that with Hallie, but I could do that. <laughs> I could do that with Peyton for sure. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah, he would That's totally cute. love it. So I'm really excited to talk about. Um, I'd love to back up because I want to hear. Um, I want everyone to hear about how you got into real estate, and oh. yeah, give me just a little backstory so we can know why you decided real estate. Oh, okay. Well, um, I, you know. Because of having Hallie and then just kind of like, hey, I need a paycheck. I was working in other jobs. Never really saw myself in the forefront running my own business. So I took support roles just to kind of pay the bills. Mm -hmm. And when I bought my first house is really when I had exposure to real estate. And I was very interested in it and passionate about it. And actually at the time, a family member of ours um, had represented us. So they were more than happy to talk about it. And they're like, oh, you'd be so great at this. And... And I just thought, oh, I don't know. So at first I was um, an assistant helping somebody like with office management and marketing and stuff. And so they sent me to all of the training, all of the prospecting classes. And long story short, after a while, I was like, I could do this. Mm. And it was it's huge. It was totally against my personality to do a commission only type thing, to do something where I'm in the you know forefront prospecting and things. Mm-hmm. And so I did it. I went out on my own. Yeah, I, I tell you, it's a... a Total misconception. I had this misconception for a long time that you have to be this um, super outgoing, people-loving person to be successful in real estate. In fact, I even fooled myself. For a long time, I thought I was an extrovert. Mm-hmm. Isn't that <laughs> Until yeah. somebody said to me, you're not an extrovert. You're a total introvert. And I started to think about it. The disc assessments, and I've met so many realtors who doesn't, don't have the profile of a salesperson that just kill it. And you know why they do? Relationships. Yeah. Because they're passionate about building relationships. Yeah. And I recently Mm -hmm. read a book, anybody who is looking to learn more about that, a book called Quiet. And it's like a book about introversion in an extroverted type society that we're in. Really? It's so fascinating. It talks about all the famous people and adventures and whatnot. So anyways, so many things you're reading from, you're going, yep, that's me. Yep, that's me. And it's so interesting because it talks about how introverted people still need that need to and it's good for them to be pushed out of their comfort zone if it's something they're passionate about mm-hmm. they can and they should do it absolutely or they're good and the good of other people because they really can contribute in different ways yeah my husband and I could spend the rest of our lives in a paper bag together and we'd be fine same here yeah same here my husband and I have that in common too oh that's so, nice that's nice funny. to know so be encouraged you introverts out there um, so let's talk about this meditation this idea of meditation um, give us a little backstory of why you even got into and and I don't want anybody to tune out right here. You know, some people don't think when they hear meditation, they hear this crazy, ethereal weirdness. Yes. Okay. But tune in because this will be very interesting to anybody who's listening. So give us the backstory. Okay. So um, the way that I got into meditation and mindfulness was because I started having extreme panic attacks and anxiety. And it was an accumulation of stress and I didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. So at the time, you know, your symptoms come, you're overwhelmed by these symptoms. They're very... Like, what is it like? 
Um, it's your fight or flight response exponentiated. So, I mean, your vision changes. Sometimes you feel like you're choking. Really? People have all different kinds of experiences, sweaty palms, the whole thing. But sometimes, I mean, it can be crazy making. You can feel like you're in severe danger, like you might be dying. Mm. I mean, there's all different ranges of it, but I was having some really severe panic attacks. So at first, you know, I did what most people do. They just assumed something was wrong. I needed to get back to life. I don't have time for these kinds of episodes. Mm -hmm. And I'll take an anti-anxiety, antidepressant. So I did that. And then I would quickly want to not be on those and wean myself off. And then within several months, I would have the same symptoms again. And so after a couple of years of going through that, I decided to really stop and figure out what was going on. Because mm. I really didn't know what it was. All I know is that it was super unpleasant and I didn't have time for it. And I didn't even want it part of my life. Mm-hmm. It, you know, I don't want to feel crazy. So I started to see a therapist. And at my therapist's office, um, they had, you know, group classes for just education and relevant topics. And one of them happened to be mindfulness. And this was before it was really mainstream. It was probably like five years ago. So I didn't know what to expect, but I was just like, I'm throwing everything natural, everything that I can at this, and we'll just see where it goes. And so in addition to the trauma therapy I was doing, I went to this class. I didn't totally know what to expect, but like in the first five minutes of it, the lady's like, okay, so we're going to set our things down and we're going to do a quick meditation. And I was like, what? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like, you're going to ask me to sit still. What does this mean? Am I supposed to stop thinking? And I was just, all I did was think the whole time I was so nervous and anxious even being asked to do that, Mm -hmm. which makes me laugh now because of how much a part of my life it is. But, um, I survived that first five minutes and those classes changed my life. Um, it was all about the study of mindfulness and the practice of mindfulness. That was more in a therapeutic, um, setting, but there's all different kinds of it. And so it just opened the door and I couldn't get enough of it. And I read every book I could and I have taken several classes and then, you know, mindfulness and meditation kind of go hand in hand. Well, I think you'll probably have to give us a definition or um, the idea of the, uh, the idea of mindfulness. What is that? So mindfulness, there's a bunch of different definitions, but my definition and what makes the most sense is mindfulness is the daily practice and the moment to moment practice of being fully present in the moment you're in Mm -hmm. with acceptance and without judgment, which Sounds simple, but it's not. No, it's easy. not. That's not easy. It, the acceptance and judgment without judgment part. Right. Really mm-hmm. being where you are without thinking about the future, without thinking about the past. You know, it's full attention to the present moment, and and living mindfully is living that way. And it's not easy for anyone, and it's still a practice, and I work on it regularly. But it's changed my life. It's well, changed my relationships. Let's hear about it. Let's why. Why, what kind of changes have you experienced and why do you think those changes have occurred? Um, the changes, I've experienced a ton. I could probably talk about it for an hour, but the major changes that I've experienced is, well, decreased stress and anxiety. It's a way for me to process stress. Mm-hmm. Um, I have less, you know, I have less anxiety. I've had some much less panic attacks and I'm a better mother. My relationship with my kids is different. And they talk about, in mindfulness and in these studies, um, how there's a moment between stimulus and response. Mm. And mindfulness gives you that moment. You have that moment to choose how to respond instead of just a knee-jerk, autopilot type of response to the things that happen that you don't have control over. 
you know, and maybe the things that happen that you do have control over, but that's, you have that moment to decide <clears throat> how you're going to respond and be the person you want to be. So that for me, I've, I'm less responsive, I'm less reactive, um, I get less upset by other people's actions and what they're doing, mm-hmm. and to stay back in myself and stay back in the moment. But for my kids, I, I'm less responsive, or less reactive with them, I'm more patient, I'm more present with them, and the time we have together, I mentioned this to you before, um, I feel like time is moving slower now with my kids than it was before. Before I was just, you know, my to-do list and what I had to do and taking care of them and I was on autopilot. Mm. And now I feel like I do not live my life that way. And when I start to do that, I am aware of it and I can pull myself out of it. And so, you know, I'm just more present for them. I tell you, I've thought I've thought a whole lot about this since we talked the other day. And I thought about um, a few things. First of all, I meditate. I was like, I don't know that I, I don't know that I would have said that I'm a meditator, but my form of meditation is my, my prayer life Mm -hmm. and the way that I talk with God Mm -hmm. and the time, the quiet moments that I spend with him. Mm -hmm. And that's meditation. Mm -hmm. In fact, now that we talked, I'm like, I'm, when I'm reading my Bible, I see the word meditate all over it. Isn't that interesting? Right. And I think meditation is, is, um, you can meditate in a bad way, right? So you can, all those negative self-talk things that you say to yourself, mm-hmm. if you roll that over and over in your head, guess what you're meditating on? Right. So everybody meditates on something. Sure. It's just, it sounds to me like, and I've thought about this in, in relation to how that applies to me, is you've decided mm-hmm. to turn that into a practice for good, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's made huge changes in your life. And it really made me think about it because... Honestly, probably half of our audience are like, I, I don't meditate. Oh, yes, you do. You might. Sure. Yeah. But what are you meditating on? Sure. You've decided to do a practice. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to describe it to me. Give me, a, give me an example of what a time of meditation, like practice meditation, not throughout the day, moment by moment. But right. What would that look like? So in meditation, in the way that um, I've learned and that I teach and will hopefully continue to teach more is any practice, modern and ancient, that slows the nervous system, processes stress, and trains the mind and your attention to be you know, more focused and more engaged in the present and in what you want it to be. So meditation in the way that I learned, there's all different kinds of meditation, but a formal seated meditation is where you sit down, and there's different ways to do that. It doesn't have to be in a lotus with your legs crossed. And you are taking quiet time to be just with yourself and you have some sort of focus. And this trains this trains your brain, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been scientific studies to show that your the gray matter in your brain grows um, in the areas that are you know more processing and focus and learning and decreases in your amygdala, which is your fight or flight and your stress response. Mm-hmm. And they've studied long-term meditators that this is true. And so you'll sit and you'll pick a focus. It could be a mantra, which is what I do just daily. Um, It could be breath awareness. It could be a body scan. Some people do guided meditations where, you know, you're listening to someone and they're walking you through a visualization. But essentially it's your bringing your mind back to a focus, whatever Mm -hmm. you choose it to be over and over again, because you can't stop your thoughts. Um, that's a misconception for people. Oh, I can't meditate because I can't stop thinking. 
well, no one can stop thinking. Mm -hmm. It's about quieting those thoughts. It's like you're turning down the volume mm -hmm. and they're going to the background and you're saying, okay, welcome back to this focus every time you leave your focus and you bring yourself back. And that translates to daily life then. You can catch yourself in your awareness Spinning and out say, of control. Yeah. oh, I'm, that's not even happening and I'm completely wrapped up in that. Why don't I come back here? Mm, it's a choice. It's controlling your thoughts. It really Learning is. Learning how to control your emotions. Breathing for sure helps. Yeah. Like in hot yoga or whatever. Mm -hmm. If there were more positive meditators, we'd have a lot less road rage. There would <laughs> have a lot. We'd have a we'd lot, lot less, less of rage lot of in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it just, it builds your compassion. I mean, I used to be, I mean, like we talked about being introverted, but I used to be, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how I used to be, but all I know now is I feel so much more connected to everyone else. Mm. Because you're paying so, attention. Yeah, I think I think that's what it is. You're paying attention and you're tuning in to your insides mm. and what's going on inside of you. What is causing you stress? What is causing you pain? Why are you feeling this tightness in your chest? Why are you clenching your jaw? Mm -hmm. Why did you just scream at your kids? Why are you eating so much? What is, why are you drinking so much? What's mm -hmm. going on? And meditation gives you the time to those things show up and, and they become part of your awareness. And sometimes it's it's a little painful, but it's always for the better. You're always releasing stress, and you're always becoming more self-aware, so you can take better care of yourself. I think that I think that's awesome. And I also thought of um, a really good example of, and I think it's connected to awareness and mindfulness. Mm -hmm. um, my daughter Ari has taught me so much. She's one of my adoptive daughters, and I talk about her a lot because she was such a challenge for me, mm -hmm. personality-wise, and just. Um, everything she I'm really quick she's not right. you know we were just so and then when I decided to stop getting wrapped up in my own judgment and my own opinions mm -hmm. and had mindfulness about who she was uh -huh. and who she is mm -hmm. and like stopped for a second mm -hmm. and I believe I actually meditated on the thought process of what I was doing sure and now I slow myself down. Like I have to literally catch myself. I breathe differently mm -hmm. to calm myself down so I can be mindful of her. Yeah. It's a huge deal. I don't think there's anybody in this that's listening or would not benefit from mindfulness mm -hmm. and slowing down. And whether you meditate formally like you do mm -hmm. or you pray or whatever you do, we got to take time out of our day or you're right. Christmas. Oh, it's Christmas again. It's Christmas again. It's oh, Christmas absolutely. again. Right? This is how we've always done it. We'll just do it like this. Mm. I mean, that's one of the biggest changes for me. And I don't know. I, I feel like this might be common for a lot of women. I swear it was five years ago before I knew myself. Before I knew. Oh, sure. Before. Or this process has made me get to know myself. What do I like? Mm. What do I not like? Am I doing it? Like, why am I doing this? What are my motivations? Am I doing this because I feel like I should? And holidays are a perfect example. There are so many things, especially in families, that are their tradition. You have to do it this way. Everyone has to do this, mm. you know? And, you know, anyways, this process has really helped me to know myself, know what I like and don't like, and be comfortable setting boundaries. Wait, if you're under 30 and you're a woman, you don't know anything about yourself. <laughs> nothing. I mean, I... I mean, nothing. I, I don't even think I started to really get I to know, know who I was until I was 30. I know. And you might have good role models. Maybe you had a mom who was really practiced self-care. and Maybe she was very um, honest about what she went through and, and that whatnot. But more often than not, that's not the case. Mm -mm. So you think you're alone. 
and you think you have to be a certain way. And then, you know, doing things like this, you learn you're not alone. I love what you said about, um, well, we always did it this way. We call that around here, shooting the sacred cow. Shooting the sacred cow. Why do we do it? Oh, because we've always done it that way. Right. Oh, no, no, let's start to actually think about why we're doing this. Right. Or why we think this way, or why, why are, okay, maybe it's still something that we should be doing, but right. what a relief to throw away things that you don't need to be doing anymore just because you're doing it or people you don't need to be around absolutely we're not going to actually shoot them Uh, no we're we're going to metaphorically shoot them right right Right. so that i just love that idea so so you're teaching this now well i went you know i went through kind of a process of just knowing i can't even say how much it impacted my life and really wanting to share it with other people. Mm-hmm. And so I looked into several different ways of getting certified to teach this and finally chose one. And so last year, for a year, I did at-home study and got licensed through an institute in Sedona, the McLean Meditation Institute. And there was a lot of at-home study. And then at the end we went for, I can't remember if it was nine or 10 day intensive, where we're there to really learn how to teach. Did and you talk there? Uh, did we talk? It wasn't a silent. Ret- it wasn't a retreat like you go and you meditate the whole time. It was we were going to learn how to teach. We were learning more about the okay. brain science and things like that. So yes, I got licensed in. Uh, I finished in March, and so now I'm licensed and I've met with people one on one. But I'm still looking for places to teach, just even you know a 30 minute, 45 minute weekly class for beginners mm-hmm. is kind of what I was hoping. Would you want people? To reach out to you yes, and yes, and yeah, learn about that. that. Okay, good. I could do one on ones with them, and I'm not. I mean, real estate is my primary gig, and that will be. Of course, um, it's how I will support my family. But this is my way of connecting with other people mm-hmm. and giving back. And I mean, I can do that in real estate, but I really feel passionate about this and how people, their lives can change, their health can improve. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll keep making the parallel because this is just me. But um, the power, and I'm going to say prayer because that's my form of meditation. Sure. The power of prayer is so great because it takes the focus off of you. Oh, yeah. Which we got to get our focuses off of ourselves. <laughs> we do. We need to take care of ourselves. Right. But we can't focus on ourselves. It takes the focus off of you and turns it outward. For me, it turns it to, to the Lord. And it brings out gratefulness and it brings out joy mm-hmm. and peace and, uh, and a sense that... Um, I don't have to control anything. Right. Right? Right. Right? And when I meditate, you know, for me, it's a break. It's kind of like, there was a reason they call it your train of thoughts. It's literally a train. And you can just sit on it and <laughs> I never you can thought just ride it along. <laughs> or you can get off the train and you can become a witness to your thoughts. Mm. It's like you're the observer of your thoughts. And so sometimes it's truth and sometimes it's not truth. Sometimes it's habit. Sometimes mm. it's preconceived ideas or assumptions you're making. And so... You know, when I meditate, I get quiet and I, you know, it's a designated time you make for yourself. Mm -hmm. It can be five minutes a day. It can be 10 minutes a day, but you are turning your phone off. You are giving yourself that time. You are, you know, and it, it's a gift because you don't have to do anything. You're trying not to plan anything for me. I plan. And so I go, okay, I'm planning again. I come back to my focus, but it really is a gift you give yourself to slow down. And like you said, to take the focus off, off of yourself and other people. Which it's interesting that it does that, but then yet you become more self-aware through it. But I promise for those of you who haven't done it, it's not like this big, you know, narcissistic, selfish thing. You're really doing it to connect with your soul and yourself, which a lot of us are disconnected from that. Mm-hmm. And I think through that, you know, meditation is does not have to be religious. 
It, it can mm-hmm. be, it can but be. it does not have to be. Right. And I will say for me, and we'll go into all my religious history or anything, but for me, through this, you know, I do my meditation with without a religious connotation during it. But then at the end, it just began to feel very natural to me to do a couple of, you know, affirmations, a prayer, and then that is the time that just feels appropriate. Mm. It just kind of naturally developed that way. And so I'm a more spiritual person because of it. Yeah. But, you know, when I teach it to people and when I started doing it, that was not the reason. Yeah, it doesn't, ha- it doesn't have to be. And it can and it can have benefits no matter what sure. your belief or your intention. Um, I will tell you that, um, oh, did I lose my train of thought? My train of thought? Oh, <laughs> there's a book called um, Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Meyer. And it talks about, we most of us go through our whole lives thinking that we have to think everything that comes into our head. Right. Right? But the truth is, is we actually can learn, like you're describing, this is what it says to me, to, you can, you can um, not totally control your thoughts, we can't do that, no. but you can train yourself to catch yourself when you have a thought that you don't want in there, push it out. Sure. You can have control over your a lot focus. of your thought life and a lot of your focus, right? Mm-hmm. And if uh, we, it'll be really scary. If anyone stops long enough to notice the thoughts that are going through their head, you're going to be like, I need to do uh, something about it. Yeah, I need right? to myself. Mm-hmm. I say the worst things to myself, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And everybody does, so don't say you don't. And that that mindfulness and that meditation can, can make you aware. We can't stop it totally. No. But you can have more peace, just like you've experienced. Mm-hmm. Well, I want you guys um, uh, to reach out to Audra if you want to know about mindfulness or her um, the training of meditation and how maybe that can benefit. If you want to learn more about her story or how that has saved her from so many panic attacks, reach out to her. I know that you would um, be willing to help. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, great, which is awesome. I love yeah. that. Um, so. Uh, I have to give thanks to Diane Gertis and April Chadwick of The Mortgage Advantage. They um, sponsor the show, and that's why all of you people get to see it every week. I appreciate you watching. Please tell other moms in real estate about the show. Um, you can, if you have um, a suggestion of a, a woman that should appear on the show, please email, um, I forget, what is it? Casey. Casey at Live.com or yes. just momsinrealestatelive.com. We have the cutest shirts and apparel at shop um, momsinrealestate.com. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, really cute shirts, mugs, little popper thingies on the back of your phone, whatever you call those. And thank you again for watching today, and we'll see you next week.